0: It's wonderful to see you all in the house of the Lord. We are here because we want to learn more of uh, the things of God and understand what God has uh, prepared for all of us. So today my subject is the righteous live by faith. The righteous live by faith. Let us pray as we begin today. Lord, our God, we want to thank you so much for your goodness and kindness. We thank you, Lord, that you are in our midst to speak to us. And we pray, Lord, let this word that we are hearing today be a word that guides us in our conduct, in our life. Lord, a word that is going to build us, a word that is going to teach us, a word that is going to make us what you want us to be. So, Lord, we look up to you and we pray, Lord, Have your own way in our lives, and let this word find room in each and every one of us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, the word today, I want to take you to a scripture that Jesus has given to us in the book of Luke, chapter 18, verse 9. Luke chapter 18 verse 9. In this scripture, Jesus portrays two types of people to us. And I think it's very important for us to understand that, uh, you know, uh, we can be either on one side or the other, okay? We we fall into these two categories in one way or the other. Sooner or later, it will manifest what kind of a person we are. And that's why it is so important that we consider this very word of Jesus Christ. You know, when Jesus gives us a word, he's always going much deeper than just what we see on the surface. And so we we want to understand what is Jesus expressing and what is he saying. So two types of people are portrayed by Jesus in this very scripture that I'm I'm reading uh, for you today. One is the self-righteous and the other one is the humble. Let's Read from the book of Luke, chapter 18 and verse 9. Luke, chapter 18 and verse 9. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, the other one a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. Please take note. This man stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like the other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, and even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. And let me read another scripture in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 4. The Bible says, By faith Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith he was commended as a righteous man when when God spoke well of his offering. And by faith he still speaks, even so he is dead. Now, again we see two people, you know, But Jesus gives us in his uh, parable, in his story. And then again in Hebrews chapter 11, we see two people again. There is Abel and there is Cain. Now Jesus is bringing out something very important to all of us. And it's important for us that we see uh, the reality that God sees with his ways but God sees things from a perspective of of true and truth and holiness now there were these two men and the Bible tells us that uh, Jesus was using that parable to speak to a to a a group of people who were self-righteous they were you know proud of their own uh, righteousness their own holiness They were confident in themselves. And the Bible says here, they looked down on everybody else. Have you ever met such people who think they are better than everybody else? It's very sad, you know. Uh, God has created all of us. He has created us different and yet equal. And we're not supposed to look down on everybody else. We are supposed to be there for everyone else. We are just part of this creation that God has created and we are here in order to make things well for God's creation but of course there were these people who were proud, who were self-confident and unfortunately we meet them all over the place okay what, what bothers me most is that these man okay who Jesus portrays as one of the two men who went to the, to the uh, temple, he was a Pharisee. And he was going to appear before God. So in other words, you know, uh, don't say this is the world out there and others are us who are, who are humble. No, actually, both of them could be standing in front of the very same God and uh, boast about who they are. Okay, so that is what bothers me, you know, that Jesus tells us this story. And, you know, if, if he would say these are the sinners and these are the righteous, well, it would be simple and easy. But both of them went to the temple. Both of them appeared before God. Both of them. So we, miss, we must understand that this is a message not just to the people who are, who are not here, but it's a message to all of us. Okay, it's a message that we have to take to our heart and ask ourselves, in which category do I, do I fall? Okay, there are two types of people. There are the proud, the self-righteous, and there are those who are willing and, hum- to, and ready to humble themselves. So these two men, They went to the temple and they prayed. And one was a Pharisee. And Pharisees were the people who were claiming to be better than the others. I mean, they were very, very well educated. Nothing nothing that were missing on on the education, especially of the word of God. And at one time, the Pharisees was a group of people who really sought to please God and to serve God. But unfortunately, they had deteriorated into a place of self-righteousness. They had deteriorated in a place where they felt they were better than the others just because they knew more, they studied more, or whatever else was the case. I think it's important that we understand that no matter how much we know, no matter how well we are doing in this world, we always remain humble before our God. Now, this man, the Pharisee, as he went to the temple... You know, he, he looked for a, for a good place where everybody could see him. And that's where he prayed. And the Bible says he stood up and prayed about himself. Okay, very interesting how the, the, the word of God is putting this. He didn't, he didn't really look for God. He was looking to make an impression to everybody and even upon God. So he prayed about himself. And, you know, when you pray, don't pray about yourself. God knows you. God knows your heart. God knows every detail of your life. So you don't have to tell God who you are. Uh, We don't have to boast in any way. We just come. And we we need to learn from the other gentleman, the other character in this story. So this man prayed about himself. And, of course, he, he lifted himself above everybody else. You know, I thank God that I'm not like the other men. And of course, he was pointing out the robbers, the evildoers, the adulterers, or even that tax collector who stood at the entrance, afraid even to go in front. How sad. You know, self-righteousness is a calamity that leads to devastation. And we see this again and again and again in our world you know people who are self-righteous people who are looking down upon others just like we have seen it here they are a danger to the world you know today we are hearing and seeing a lot of messages uh, from uh, the north from europe where some self-righteous people have taken it upon themselves to to grab the land of somebody else because they feel they are better. They're looking down on the others. How sad. This is what is bringing calamity to our world. You know, sin has devastated our world and it's still doing. You know, I remember when I was in grade five, I'll never forget that. In grade five, we had a teacher who uh, was teaching us about history And um, of course, you know, I I grew up uh, not too long after World War II. Uh, Of course, as children, we didn't understand what World War II was at that time. Uh, We just heard stories about it. My father uh, very often had some of his colleagues who were in the war together and they were talking about stories. And so we heard a lot of these things. But in grade five, there was a teacher And she said, you know, people have been barbaric in the past. People have been fighting terrible wars. People have been doing evil things. And, you know, she she would portray the history just colored in her own understanding. But then she said, now we have become modern people. Now we are no longer going to war. We are no longer going to fight with weapons. We are now going to sit down and discuss like people who have been learned, you know, who have been able to to understand that we don't want calamities, but we we want progress, we want development. For one reason or the other, that has left a big impression in my heart. Maybe because it was so far from reality because wars have continued. Even at that time, there were wars somewhere else, maybe not in our home, but somewhere else, there were always wars. And you know, no matter how much we refine ourselves in, the things that we feel have made us better, we are actually not seeing that evil is being defeated. Evil is still very much around in our world. Evil is still very much a reality because the kind of people that are self-righteous, the kind of people that are proud, that lift themselves over others, that feel they have the right to do whatever they think is good for them to do to others, they are still around. The world, the way we know it, is a world in calamity, a world in sin, a world in unrighteousness, and that's why these things keep happening, okay? I remember when we learned about history, you know, way back, and we saw these tribes fighting each other and killing each other, and you know, one nation takes over, another one, you know, very often we were saying, oh, thank God we didn't live in those days. We're living today in an enlightened era. The reality is that we are living in the same world. Nothing has changed, you know. Like Solomon said, there's nothing new under the sun. And truly, these things that happened in the past, they're still happening even today. Jesus, with this little story, with this little parable, tells us that these two types of people, okay, and of course, the one who is self-righteous dominate the other one because the humble does not show off, but the other one does show off. Now the Bible tells us, or Jesus tells us, that, you know, this man, he said, I'm not like the others. I fast twice. Everything is about himself, okay? I'm giving, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. But then Jesus talks about the other person. And he says, but... The tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and say, God, have mercy on me. A sinner. Now thank God that even him was able to make his way into the house of God. Even he was desiring to to appear before God. Even him, he he wanted to, to know God because he understood you know that his life was not complete without God. But since he had nothing to give, since he could not boast about anything, he was standing and he was just humbling himself you know now he was also learned he was a tax collector you know he was also having a state in uh, i mean a certain position in the, in the in the in the society at that particular time he was having influence he was known but he realized that his life was not what god wanted it to be in fact he realized that his life was not even what he himself wanted it to be and there you can see already one very very distinctive uh, line that is becoming very clear. The, the man who has self righteousness, the man who is proud, cannot see the truth about himself. Okay? Jesus portrays these two people, showing us there are people who are blind to their own condition. And the Bible tells us in the book of Romans that it's the wickedness that suppresses the truth. Okay? Very interesting. Wickedness suppresses the truth. And that's why people who are self-righteous, they don't realize that pride is an offense to God. Okay? As the Bible tells us, God opposes the proud, Self-righteousness, they lift up themselves. And this is what this man did. Now the other man was humbling himself. He felt he had no reason to boast for anything, but all he was desiring was the mercy and the grace of God. And so he was crying out to the God he approached, have mercy on me, a sinner. Okay? So in other words, he had open eyes. He had understanding of who he was. He was not trying to boast about anything, but he was someone who understood his limitations. Someone who was willing to humble himself aware of his shortcomings, aware of his sin. And that's why he was calling for mercy. And very interesting, you know, Jesus summarizes those two individuals, those two categories of people, and he says, I tell you, this man, that is the tax collector, the one who humbled himself, this man Rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Very interesting, isn't it? So God wants us to be aware, okay, that there are these this, this two different types of people. That's why Jesus gave us that parable. And, uh, you know, it's very important that we are not living in our self-righteousness, but that we are allowing ourselves to be addressed by the Word of God, open to, uh, to, his, to his revelation about ourselves. You know, the, this is the wonderful thing about the Word of God. It's like a mirror, and when you look into the mirror, you see who you really are. You don't see who you want to be but you see who you really want, who you really are. And, and this is what this man didn't see. He only saw himself in his own, own lights, okay? Uh, boasting, trying to uplift himself, making an impression, looking down at everybody else in this world. But thank God. You know, God is looking for people who are willing to humble themselves. And those who are willing to humble themselves, they will be exalted. Okay? So there comes a time when God will lift them up. You see, Jesus humbled himself as, uh, and he died. He was buried. But because he humbled himself, God lifted him up. Gave him a name that is above all names so that every tongue should confess and every knee should bow before the Lord, our Savior Jesus Christ. That's powerful, isn't it? So now let me take you to another two people, okay? That is uh, the first two children that we know about, okay? Not that they were the only ones, but these were talked about. The first two children of Adam and Eve. And these were Abel and Cain. Cain came first, Abel came later. Now, they heard firsthand from their parents how they were able to live with God before sin entered this world. They were probably giving them amazing stories about the time when they were walking with God in the garden and would be able to exchange, uh, you know, uh, wonderful stories and, and, you know, were able to ask from God and God would give them answers. You know, all these things, uh, probably they were telling their children. So they were very privileged because they didn't hear it over Generations later, but they heard it firsthand from their own parents. Okay? And so these parents, they knew what life with God was supposed to be. Unable, you know, that actually God created us to be righteous and holy and to live with Him forever and ever. Okay, That is the plan of God. As the Bible tells us in the book of Ephesians, that before the foundation of the world, God planned for us. God loved us. God created us. Okay, So God designed each and every one of us. Yes, we may have come into this world far much later on, but God had us in his heart even before the foundation of the world. And so finally, when Abel heard these stories. I believe he was a very, uh, a very sensitive character, somebody who was, who was having a desire that that which he understood to be the plan of God should be able to come uh, to be a reality in his own life. The Bible tells us that Abel offered a, God a better sacrifice than Cain did. Okay, as they grew up, both of them were becoming adults. And the time came when they had to also, you know, take a position in the presence of God. They had to take a position who they wanted want to be as, as as adults. Okay, they knew that their parents had failed. They knew that their parents had fallen. They knew what God had spoken to them probably uh Adam and Eve told their, their, their children, not just the two of them, but all of the children they had that, you know, they were disobeying God and thereby they lost the glory of God. They lost the, the closeness to God. And Abel had the desire that he wanted to find God. That he wanted to come to God and have that relationship that uh, His parents lost. And so when he was bringing a sacrifice, he was searching for the way how he would be able to please God. To the contrary, you know, if you read about Cain, Cain just took off his crop. He went to uh, the altar and he brought it and, and God said, listen, Cain, this is not what I'm looking after. This is not what can be Accepted as a sacrifice because Cain was that kind of a man Cain was self confident Cain was proud Cain was somebody who exactly embodied the, the type that Cain had and God spoke to him God said you must rule over this this uh, intention you know to, to be proud to be great and you must humble yourself He said, sin is crouching at the door, but you must learn to rule over it. Even so, God took time to speak to him, took time to correct him. He never listened. He just went his way with pride, and he wanted God to accept him as he was, okay, with what he had. And at the end of the day, he couldn't get what he wanted, because God rejected his offering. Because it came from a proud heart. It was very different in the life of Abel. Abel had a desire for God. He was probably taking a lot of time to find out, how can I be able to bring a sacrifice to God that he is pleased with? And you know, he came to find what, pleased, what was to please God. He was not coming in his own strength, in his own power, in his own self-confidence as, as Cain did, but he came humble. And it's very interesting that God never corrected Abel like he did with Cain. Cain came in his own strength, in his own power and God spoke to him, tried to correct him, but he would still not listen. Abel was humble, seeking to understand the ways of the Lord. To us, in the way we know him today, he still found him. He found the Lamb of God he could trust in. And so when he came to the altar with his sacrifice, he came with the sacrifice of the Lamb in which he trusted. Of course, in that Lamb, is a picture of Christ, okay? That lamb is what it means to be humble because you don't try to prove anything to God. You don't try to come in your own strength and ability, but you come with humility. And that's exactly, exactly what Abel did. And no wonder is he listed as one of, as one of the heroes of faith in the book of uh, Hebrews chapter 11. And the Bible says by faith, okay, not by strength, but by faith, Abel offered a better sacrifice than Cain. Cain came in his own strength. Cain trusted in his his stuff that he had, uh, you know, harvested from his field. And he felt God had to give him, you know, uh, whatever he was looking for. But Cain, Abel did not come like that. So by faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offering. So Abel was a righteous man. How did he become righteous? Of course, he was a a son of fallen people, so he was also fallen, just like Cain and all the rest of uh, this world was a fallen uh, generation. And the Bible says no one was righteous, not even one. Even Abel was not righteous. The question is, how did he become righteous? Well, he discovered the secret of how to become righteous. Okay? The righteous live by faith. And he was putting his trust, his hope, his future, his whole life into the Lamb of God, that is Christ. And he had faith that God himself would give him what he himself could not offer. What an amazing word. Let me read to you from the book of Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3, a word that Paul wrote to the people of the city of Galatia. And the people there, they, they had heard, came to them, self-righteous, who were twisting their minds, who were turning things into a different direction from what they had heard when Paul was preaching to them. And Paul was saying to them, all who rely on observing the law are under a curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of law. Okay, so if you want to keep the law, you must keep everything, okay? Every little detail of the law, otherwise you cannot become righteous, okay? And of course, there's nobody who is able to keep the law of God. That's impossible. That is... But God tells us, the law was not given for us to be righteous. It just tells us, God tells us in his word that God gave us his word, his law. In the Old Testament, he gave the law to make people understand that they were failing to fulfill all the righteousness of God. And they needed to come to him by faith, like Abel did. Like the tax collector did. Okay, so... Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, no one is justified before God by the law. Because the righteous will live by faith. Okay, so righteousness does not come by doing, but by believing in Christ. Okay, like Jesus says, this man who humbled himself went away justified before God. If he is justified, that means he is righteous before God. He can stand in the presence of God. He can have fellowship with the living God because he has been freed from all of the, of the stain of sin in his life. And that can only happen through our faith in Jesus Christ. The man who does these things will live for it is written, curse is everyone who is hung on a tree. He redeemed us in order that the blessings given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. God has made a way how we can be able to receive the blessings of God, how we can be equal to God once again. How we can be cleansed from all unrighteousness and sin, and that is only possible through the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ, who came to lay down his life for all of us. In Romans chapter 3, verse 22, the Bible says. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. So in other words, righteousness is not something that you can build. It's not something that you can earn. It's not something that you can be uh, better than somebody else in. No, it's not possible. This righteousness comes by faith in Jesus Christ. He has made a way out of the calamity of sin in this world he has provided the lamb of God who carries away the sin of the world and our faith in him is what makes us righteous it's what makes us justified before God it's what makes us be able to have fellowship and relationship with the living God that's amazing so God provided a path out of the curse of sin, and you know when Abel was giving his sacrifice, he actually gave us a prophetic outlook on God's provision of the Savior, because he already understood that he already lived that, and no wonder that, you know, we can find a way that leads to God. We can find a way that we can be come right with God that we can become righteous and cleansed and become holy and live in the, in the very presence of our God. It's possible. Now, thank God, Abel was not the only one who found the Lamb of God, okay? We read later on, you know, that God was speaking to Abraham and he says, bring me your son. And of course the son that Abraham had was Isaac, a son of the promise. God had promised to him that son many years before. And of course the son was not coming and Abraham on the way made some mistakes, tried to fulfill the promise himself and and eventually the son was born. And as the son grew up, God says, okay, bring me your son. And that was hard, okay? Because God said, bring me your son, sacrifice your son. Now, how do you give away something that you have been waiting for so long that actually God has even promised? But Abraham had a very close relationship with God. He had learned by this time to trust him, to believe in him, okay? Not to push his own ways, not to say, God, that is not fair. Why are you uh, telling me that? You know, very many times, this is what we do as human beings. When something happens that we don't like, we tell God, no, you are not fair. Why are you allowing this thing to happen to me? Abraham had learned to trust God. Abraham had learned to believe in God. I mean, after so many years of God's word of promise, finally that promise was fulfilled and God gave him his son. Born from the womb of his wife, Sarah. And so he heard the call of God and he decided to follow the call. So he went this long way to the mountain of Mariah. Very interesting, the very same mountain where Jesus later on would die. Okay, At that time, of course, there was no Jerusalem. At that time, there was nothing... Uh, of that nature yet, but he would go to that mountain where God told him, go to that mountain. And along the way, the promise spoke to him, okay, that is Isaac, the one who was his son of promise, okay, he said, Father, I don't understand anything, we have the fire ready, you know, everything is ready, We we are well prepared to go for for the, for the sacrifice. But where is the lamb? We, are, we, are, we seem to have forgotten the lamb. And Abraham had a heavy heart because he couldn't tell him, you are the lamb, okay? So what do you tell your son when we offering? And so he didn't want to say you are the one, but he said something which became the name, a name for God, okay? He said, Jehovah Jireh. Okay, Jehovah Jireh, as we say. Okay. And that means, God will provide. Okay, many of us, we have uh, stood before God in our prayer with that promise that God is a provider, isn't it? God will provide. Now, Abraham knew, of course, that he had a son who was provided for him by God. Okay? He didn't know yet that God would find another way in order to replace that sacrifice with another sacrifice. But he was was faithfully going to that place where God said, bring your son as a sacrifice. So he went up to a mountain, built an altar and finally the time came when The sacrifice had to be placed on the altar. And I don't know what was going on. There is no conversation being recorded in the Bible about what was happening between Abraham and his son. But his son was willing to be put on the altar. Now, Abraham was an old man. He was over 100 years by that time. So, you know, he may not have been the strongest person. His son was a teenager, you understand. If he wanted, he could easily have overpowered his father and run away. Okay? But no, he didn't. He had confidence in his raise you up again. Bible tells us so. Okay? He had belief, he had trust in God. That God had a way out even of that calamity in which he seemed to find himself. And so as he put this this, uh, sacrifice that God was asking on the altar, you know, he took a knife to kill the sacrifice. And of course it was a heavy, heavy thing that God asked him to do. And just as he was taking the knife to kill his son, God sent an angel and said, stop. And God says, now I know. Okay? Because what God was testing Abraham in was that he was like God. You know, God was the one who was willing to give his son. He never asked Abraham to really kill his son, but God did it. You understand? God did it. And so God told Abraham, it's not Isaac I want There's another one, okay? And that other sacrifice is Christ himself, okay? God provided another lamb, another ram. You know, he took a ram from the thicket, but that was not really the sacrifice that Jesus was, that God the Father was looking for. Actually, he was willing, he was demonstrating there is a lamb that is going to come, that is going to carry away the sin of the world. Praise God. Abel found that lamb. Abraham found that lamb. Okay? Even prophets found that lamb. You know, when we read the scripture in the book of uh, Isaiah, chapter 53, we see that lamb being portrayed in powerful colors. And of course, in between, there were many other men and women of God along the Old Testament times who found the lamb of God. You know, when Jesus finally came to the Jordan River, again, you know, the eyes of John the Baptist were opened and God revealed to him, this is the Lamb of God who carries away the sin of the world. This was now not Isaac. This was the son of God. And when it came to giving his son, there was no last minute stop. But he was willing to to let his son die at that cross of Calvary. There was a time when it was very hard for Jesus to, to, to accept that predicament in which he was in. And he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and you know, he saw the, 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 the cup of the sin of the whole world. And he says, Father, if it's possible, can this cup pass me by? But in, if it's not possible, let your will be done. And you know, for Abraham, there was a release. He says, I've provided another another ram to die on that day. But then he was not talking about that ram in the thicket. He was talking about his own son, the Lamb of God, that carries away the sin of the world. In the book of Isaiah chapter 53, we read, And we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God and stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquity. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And in his wounds we are healed. We, all like sheep, have gone astray. Each one has turned to their own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was a lamb to the slaughter. Here you have it again. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. As a sheep before its shearers is silenced, so he did not open his mouth. Verse 10 yet it was the lord's will to crush him to cause him to suffer and through and so the lord uh, makes his life an offering for sin he will see his offspring and prolong his days and he will and the will of the lord will prosper in his hands after he suffered he will see the light of life and be satisfied by his knowledge my righteous servant will justify many and he will bear their iniquities. The Lamb of God, who carries away the sin of the world. When Jesus came to Jordan River, where he was baptizing sinners, so that they would receive the forgiveness of their sin, Jesus came and he said, let me be baptized. And you know, this was just after John got a mighty revelation of the Lamb of God who carries away the sin of the world. And and, and John knew this is not a sinner. Because if he was a sinner, he couldn't carry the way of others, the the sin of others. And so he said, well, you don't need to be baptized because you, you are not a sinner. But Jesus said, I've come to fulfill all righteousness. So in other words, you know, Jesus humbled himself into the very same position of each and every one of us. He was not trying to be something better. he was not trying. okay look here i'm 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 doing okay but Jesus was not like that. He humbled himself on that day. he went in that, into that water of Jordan River, and when he came out, something amazing happened, okay Jesus was obedient, just like Abel with the revelation, the little revelation that he had became obedient and trusted in the Lamb and by faith he was justified and he was made righteous. In The same way Abraham was believing that God would provide a Lamb God would provide a sacrifice and He was willing to give even his own son. But God said, no, I don't need your son because I've got the real sacrifice. That is Christ. And so Jesus laid down his life. He was not like those proud people. You know, Jesus gave us these two categories. He portrays these two types of people, the proud and the humble. And we need to learn. That we can only be able to see ourselves in the light of God and and, and that will make us humble. If you have never stepped into the true light of God, you will always be a proud fellow. Okay? Unfortunately, they are found even in the temple. Okay? Like this man, those of these men were in the temple. Both of them were standing before God. But one was not actually looking for God. He was looking to lift himself up. Make himself admired. And he felt that even God should be proud of him. But actually God is offended by that. Okay? The Bible tells us in the book of James chapter 4 and verse 6 that God opposes the proud, But he gives grace to the humble. Okay? Because Jesus himself was humble. Jesus himself humbled himself even to the very final analysis of the cross. He was not running away, but he was willing to take the burden of sin. So God provided a pass out of the curse that comes through sin and self-righteousness. When we learn to humble ourselves, we will be lifted up, we will be exalted, we will receive grace. And righteousness and justification is provided in Christ to the humble. The proud can never find that. But those who humble themselves, they will be able to get those wonderful gifts of God. They will be justified. They will be righteous. They will be made holy. They will be cleansed. They will be purified. And that's exactly what the Bible tells us. You know, in the Scriptures, we find it very, very clearly that God actually looks to lift us up. Let us just go to the book of uh, Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. Actually, by the way, I've provided you a number of scriptures, uh, especially from the book of Romans on your bulletin. I don't have time to read all of them because time is short, but please read them, study them, okay, because... The Bible speaks so powerfully, you know. The Bible says, against all hope, Abram, in hope believed. And so he became the father of many nations. That is Romans chapter four, verse 18. But let me go to Romans chapter five, verse one. And the Bible says here, therefore, since we have been justified through faith. Okay, how do you get justified? How do you become righteous? Through faith. Nothing you need to add. There is not, uh, okay, I I trust you, plus my own effort here and there. And you know, this is very common that we we have people saying, okay, yes, there is this, but you also need to do ABCD. Let me tell you, there is no room for plus. What Christ has done is sufficient, once and for all. From first to last, the Bible tells us, From first to last, we need to learn to trust in Him. Amen? So therefore, since we have been justified through faith, you know, you can only be justified when you learn to humble yourself. Okay? And because by nature we are all proud, by nature we are all having, you know, a a view of ourselves that that is offensive to God. But when we come into the light of God, when we are no longer suppressing the truth of God, but when we are coming into his light and let the light of God shine into our hearts and lives, and we see ourselves the, real, the way we really are in God's light, then we will definitely humble ourselves. And that's what we need to do. Okay? Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus. You live in the righteousness of God because you can't come into the presence of God unrighteous. You can't come with your self-confidence because it's an offense to God. We need to understand that we can come to him only when we humble ourselves. But then he's doing something mighty. He's going to lift us up. Amen? And the Bible says through whom, that is through Christ we have gained access by faith into his grace. You know the Bible tells us in the book of John chapter 1 that when Jesus came, he came in the fullness of grace and truth. Amen? Everything flows from Christ. The fullness of grace, the fullness of truth, and everything that is in it flows through that. And here we we are reminded that we have gained access you know for you to have access you need to have a key isn't it otherwise you you cannot have access if, if you have lost your key for your car uh, then you're you are stuck okay unless you find another key or you have a key made or somebody breaks your car but but that is not the best thing isn't it now you can't break your, your, your way into the kingdom of God that's not possible you need to have The right access. And God has given us access by faith into his grace. Amen. Into the fullness of his grace. Because God is not just having little portions of grace. He is living in the fullness of grace. And he gives the fullness of grace. And it will always be the fullness of grace. Like I said, you know, when we have a bottle and we drink water, the fullness of grace and truth, and it will always be full. Okay, it will always be overflowing. That's why he likes to pour into our hearts much of all the gifts and of himself, as the Bible tells us here. Okay, so we gained access by faith into his grace in which we now stand. So you don't stand by your own ability, by your own efforts, by your own, you know, Success, but you stand because you trusted Christ, because you came to access His righteousness and His justification through Jesus Christ, who shed His blood on the on the cross of Calvary, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Isn't it powerful that, you know, we are not people who are to be sad forever, but we are supposed to rejoice in the glory of God. You know, when you come into the glory of God, you can't help it but rejoice. That's why Paul said, you know, rejoice. And I say it again, rejoice. You know, too many, too many Christians are too sad. Okay? Too depressed. You know, if you are delivered, you are no longer depressed. Of course, yes, we go through hard times. We go through sufferings. But, of course, that is doing the work of God in our lives. I'm coming to that. Okay? As we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Hope. Do you know that hope remains? One of the three things that remain, that is faith Hope, faith, and love. And the greatest of them is love. So hope is very important. Okay, so hope is not what we think it is. You know, very often you say, I hope I will be a rich man in the future. Forget about that. No? That is not the hope we are talking about. Hope is something tangible, something very powerful. And and Jesus says that we we have the hope in the glory of God. It's tangible. You understand? It's not maybe or maybe not. That's not what it's talking about. Otherwise, it would not be one of the greatest three things that are forever hope, faith, and love. Okay? So we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice, and that's where it becomes difficult, okay? Are you ready to rejoice in suffering? <laughs> are you ready to rejoice in perseverance? Okay, because, you know, when, when you finally are in the hands of God, when you are finally as a finished defined, and made righteous and holy before God, you know, because God looks at you as holy and righteous as a finished product, even so, you have just believed in him. You're not yet transformed. But God positionally gives you already the righteousness of God. He, he sees you already as a completed product. But then, of course, he doesn't just want to see you Pro, uh, finished product by by, by, by uh, what he has done, but he wants to eventually see you transformed in real life. That's why we are still here. Okay? Otherwise, he could have just, boom, taken us out. Immediately, we believed in Jesus. He could have removed us from here. No, 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 but he wants to see the power of the good news, the power of the gospel, the power of God being able to transform our lives and make us what we really should be, that we should really be transformed into the very stature of Christ, into the fullness of Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen? And you know, this is what the power of God is able to do in our lives. He isn't just giving us everything for for free, which he has done already. You know, He has given us salvation, he has given us sanctification, he has given us justification, he has given us everything. But then he says now, I want this also to become real inside of you. Okay, Because when you're finally with me, I want to see that commitment. I want to see that obedience. I want to see that, that willingness to go all the way like Ab- Abraham has done. Like Abel has done. Abel paid with his life for, his, for his, him finding the way to God. Abraham did by God. Okay? And so God wants us to be in a position to learn from what we are going through in these worlds. And so never look down on the things that happen in this world. The Bible tells us not only so, okay, we are rejoicing in the good things. Praise the Lord. This is easy to do. But then we are also rejoicing in our sufferings. Okay, please read that. Is that on the screen? Okay, it's there. Not that you think I'm just making something up. Okay. Rejoice in let us rejoice in our suffering because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Okay? Jesus suffered, but it made him persevere, it made him overcome. Jesus was tempted in everything as you and I. Okay? You cannot say, Jesus, you don't know what I'm going through. That's nonsense. Actually, Jesus went through worse than you have ever to go through. Okay? Jesus knows. So our suffering produces something sweet, something good. You know, it helps us to persevere. Helps us not to give up halfway down the road, but stay on it. And perseverance is actually forming our character. And you know, when we came to the Lord, our character was very, very uh, twisted, to say the least, you know. Of course, you may not see your character in the true colors that it is. God does, okay? But God is is busy changing your character, my character. I've been a different person from who I am today. I came to know the Lord when I was 17, and and, and today I'm a, a completely different person. I can't even understand how I was like I was at that time, but I was, you know, twisted having ideas which, which had nothing to do with the, with the plants of God, but son God, I learned from suffering, from persevering, and God worked on my character. And finally, you know, character is, 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 is bringing hope into our hearts and lives, and hope does not disappoint us. This is the hope that does not disappoint us. This is the very hope that is written in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 13 of one of the three things that will remain hope, faith, and love. Okay? So, perseverance produces character. Character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us. Because, why? Because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given to us okay so you can see all three things in action okay by faith we now stand okay we have access by faith we are gaining hope by what God is doing in our life and he pours out his love into our hearts okay hope faith and love everything is a free gift of God isn't that powerful Okay. So God wants you to live in this reality of faith. Because that's how we become righteous. That's how we get justified. We, we are gaining access to the grace of God that transforms our lives. Until we have that hope in us that will never die. And God, again, pours his love into our hearts by his Holy Spirit. So there is hope, there is faith, there is love. But let me tell you, this cannot happen to the self-righteous. This cannot happen to the category of people who say, me, myself, and I. It can only happen to those who have learned to humble themselves. Those who have learned to let God work things out in their lives. And that's what we must all learn, okay? That God, work out your own ways in my life. Abel found the way even so. He didn't have all the revelations that we have today. He didn't have all the words that were written down for us, but he found the Lamb of God that he could trust and that would bring him righteousness and that would justify him. And it happened. Amen? You can go through uh, scriptures, whether it's uh, said in the Old Testament, one of the brothers of Adam, of Abel, who came later on and was now uh, turning back to the face of, the, of, of, of God, or whether it was Noah, whether it was the patriarchs, you know, whether it was Joseph or Moses, or the prophets, you can see all of them, they were finding the Lamb. The Lamb of God who carries away the sin of the world. Just like we have seen Isaiah describing the Lamb of God in such a powerful way. You are so many details he was writing about, about the life of, of, of Jesus Christ. Yet, Isaiah lived more than 700 years before Jesus. That's how God shows his work even beforehand. So, today we are here, we are in this year 2022, and God is saying, Now it is the time to seek the Lord, that He may come and shower righteousness upon you. Okay, how do we gain righteousness? We gain it through faith in Christ. Amen. Righteousness is not something that is impossible to access, no, it is actually very, very much accessible through the grace of God in which we now stand. Amen. Let us pray. Lord our God, we are so grateful that you have given us your word of truth. Lord, at times it's very hard to look into this word, especially when you show us the mirror of who we are. Lord, we have all been astray. We have all gone astray like sheep, the Bible says. And we have all been like these Pharisees, self-righteous, proud, looking down upon others, talking about ourselves only, not concerning ourselves about others. But thank you, Lord, that you have called us out of such a type of life and that you have learned us, that you have taught us to be humble just like you have been humble Lord thank you that you have given us this other type of a person that we should become like this tax collector and Lord help us that we become like him that we become like Abel who have humbled himself and has been willing to trust in the lamb of god Lord Jesus you have provided to ask the way of salvation in your own sacrifice, in your own life, you have given yourself and we are willing to die at the cross of Calvary, so that in you and through you, Lord, we have life, we have hope, we can rejoice, we can grow, we can be transformed. And Lord Jesus, this is my prayer that you help us to be transformed. So whatever we are going through, even if it means challenges in our lives, even if it means battles, even if it means temptations, even if it means suffering, Lord, help us that we persevere, that we learn perseverance from all that so that our character can be transformed in what you want us really to be. Thank you, Jesus, that you have got such great patience to transform us into the kind of people that you have always envisioned us to be. Even from the very foundation of the world, Lord, you have planned us with love. And thank you, Lord, that you are never giving up on us, but Lord, that you are going to transform us into the kind of people who reflect the nature of and the praise. And everyone say, Amen.